Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So this week, I had a sad thing happen to me that I wanted to unpack on the show. So I had to retire one of my apps. Um, And one of the apps that, obviously, I have a lot of apps, and I've quietly retired many of them in the past, the ones that never had any downloads, the ones that um, just didn't work out, and you kind of just remove them from the store, and that's that. But I had one of them, had to remove an app from the store that um, wasn't one of those apps, that that had some success, that was uh, something that I was proud of being out there. I think this is actually the first app of yours that I've ever uh, both heard of and downloaded that you're also now killing. There you go. It's, it all comes full circle. Um, and the app was is called Check the Weather. And it is a weather app that uh, at the time I launched it, and I know exactly when I launched it because it was four week, four years ago as of last Monday. Um, the reason I, and I and sort of publicly announced its end of life last Monday for that reason, when I was planning this and scheduling it out, and I looked at the schedule and I was like, wait, I think I launched it a, somewhere, somewhere in the middle of October. And it turned out it was... Um, yeah, four, exactly four years ago. So the app had a four-year life. Um, and it's just a, you know, it's a weather app. Um, it's a strange thing in some ways to try and describe what it is or what it does, what made it special. Um, because the weather app is like, they're all strange in the sense that they all have the same basic data. And then the differences between all the apps are just, you know, questions of style, of nuance, um, but Check the Weather always has kind of a special place for me because it was the first app that I ever felt that I kind of did it right. Um, you know, it, it, I started from the beginning and said, you know what, what happens if I take a run at a very well-established category doing everything right? You know, so doing having a proper actual marketing plan that was an actual thing that I did before, rather than just kind of throwing it over the wall or sending some blind emails um, and it was localized from day one. It had great voiceover support. It had all the things that I kind of was in my mind were always the things that you had to do, um, to launch an app that was, you know, if you're going to do it right, if you're going to give it an honest chance and, uh, and if you're curious, if you're a listener to this show, but you weren't a listener to the podcast I used to do called developing perspective, um, I'll have links in the show notes too. I did a whole series, um, of po- episodes on developing perspective, um, which rather than being 30 minutes long is only 15 minutes long. So even though this is a lot of episodes, it wouldn't take that long to catch up. Uh, we're actually walked through at the t- in real time as I was building um, back in 2002 or back 2012. Um, I walked through the process of what went into this. But anyway, the, all this, the long and the short of it is I had this app. I launched it. It did great. Um, it had a very big spiky launch. I think it peaked at number three overall in the App Store. Um, which at the time for me was just you know mind bending. I actually have very warm and specific memories of that day when it launched, um, just celebrating, having my my wife uh, found someone to watch the kids and came into the office um, with like, I think with I think it might have been Ch- it's like Chinese for dinner and a bottle of champagne and we you know actually celebrated because um, it had all kind of worked and it kind of all worked out. But that was four years ago. That was a long time ago in App Store terms, and so. Um, this week I just announced that it will no longer be supported. Um, and for something like a, a weather app, that means I'm turning off the API, um, at the back end. Um, and that's kind of a sad thing, but it was kind of inevitable. Uh, cause the tricky thing with some an app like check the weather is that at least the way that I launched it is at the time we didn't really have a lot of this kind of subscription options you have, we have now. And so I was really more sort of like free or paid were my options, 
uh, four years ago. I could have sort of done subscriptions with some kind of you buy an in-app purchase and then you buy another one and then you buy another one. But there was certainly wouldn't have been able to be auto-renewing. Um, so I made it a free app and, or sorry, I made it a paid app and I put that out, you know, so I had a whole lot of people who gave me money four years ago. I think about a third of the users bought it the first day, um, you know, had a nice big spiky launch, but most of you know, they've never subsequently, um, gotten given me any revenue and ongoing costs are really rough. Um, especially when they aren't just, you know, two or three Linode boxes, um, things like weather data and even fonts, actually. Like I had some custom fonts in this application that had annual subscriptions that I have to pay. That's the worst. Um, I'll tell you one thing. I mean, like, you know, server costs, like you kind of can't get around that. But as somebody who has licensed a lot of fonts for apps over the years, anything you can do to avoid ongoing recurring costs in your app you should do that and if you have a fancy font you know try try to get one that you can license for a flat fee Uh, especially you know these days you can often get decent fonts for either free or for maybe a few hundred dollars uh, up front flat forever and that's if you can do that that's great sure because it's any of these things like it was always a strange thing because it forced me to every year I had to sit down and decide, do I still want to pay for this font? Because um, at this point, the app had kind of a, I followed the usual trajectory. Like it had that big spike at the beginning and then it all, you know, kind of felt almost nothing. Um, and it became kind of like a charity project because, you know, like I still use the app. And I, I mean, through this week, I was still using the app. But uh, at some point I had to decide, you know, the, the, every year when I get my email from Font Foundry and says, hey, you know, would like to charge you another three or four hundred dollars. It's like, great. And every month when I get my bills from the radar provider and the weather data provider, it's like, hmm, you know, this is fine. I mean, the the costs involved weren't killer, at least up until recently. And that's part of why I have to shut it down now. Um, because the, there's a change, a pricing change that with my radar provider that meant that it would just have gone from like, oh, it's kind of fun. It's a little charity project to something that, um, would have just been kind of absurd to keep going, um. Well, I think I think ultimately you need to think about like, you know, what and I think we'll get to this later. Like, what do you owe your users? Because in my opinion, the second you are losing money, like there is no acceptable amount of money to be losing on an ongoing basis for an app. Like to me, once you're losing money, that's it. It's it's gone. Sure. And I definitely can see where you're coming from. Like. It is such a hard thing, though, from the emotional perspective, like what you're saying makes total sense that, you know, like if I'm running a business and I have a, a division of my business that is uh, continue is, is making a loss with no prospect of turning that around, the logical, like good business move is to just shut it down and move on. Um, but it's hard when you kind of have something that you feel more emotionally invested in where it feels like, oh, no, you know, this is like with my was this with this app was my first big break. Like I want to, you know, I feel sad for it to go. Um, and so I think I definitely in this case, I probably did let it go longer um, than in retrospect. I should have and not necessarily even just for the money reasons, because I think what you're saying makes sense. But even just in retrospect, as I think of the like the the burden it places on you cognitively when you have something that you're sort of you have this affinity for and you're kind of proud of, but it isn't really going well. And, you know, every time an iOS update comes out, it's like, hmm, should I do this to check the weather? You know, like Apple, like the Apple Watch came out and I was like, oh, there's some really cool things you could do for, you know, a weather app on the Apple Watch. I was like, man, the app just doesn't make money. Like it just really isn't getting traction. 
And I don't know if just putting more effort into it is really going to get the outcome. Um, but that every, every, every time there's a big thing, I'd have that, that sense of doubt. And I feel like that's the kind of thing that honestly, more than the money, um, is a bit better incentive to make sure that, you know, if, when something is clearly not going anywhere that you just kind of say, yep, it's done and move on. Anyway, so that is why I have gotten to the point that I had to pull check the weather from the store. And um, it's probably worth mentioning a little bit about kind of what that process looks like um, mechanically um, before we get into some of the kind of the implications and things that come out of that. Um, so when you decide uh, that you want to pull an app from the App Store, it's surprisingly easy to do. You just go into iTunes Connect. Um, you click on the app. There's an, I think it's availability and pricing is the area in the App Store that you can go into or in iTunes Connect that you go to and say, you know, remove, essentially remove from sale. Um, you used to have to go in there and um, specifically select every country that you didn't want it in until you had selected, deselected them all. Now you can just push a button, I think, that says um, remove, some, remove from sale. And that worked pretty well. It was gone from the app store. And then you have the more interesting question, perhaps, of how you communicate to your users. Um, so most of the people who download your app uh, don't know who you are. They don't follow you on Twitter. They don't read your blog. Um, and I kind of struggled with this in this case. Like I've certainly done the I have a blog post mentioned on Twitter to kind of put it out as best I could. Um, but for most of your users, either you would need to do a an app update and just mention this in the release notes um, that the app is going away uh, or you would probably need to have some mechanism built into the application to reach out to them some kind of messaging scheme um, at this point the app has so few users that i didn't decide that something like that was worth doing um, of like building a special build of the app and putting it out there that popped up a window that said hey your app your, your data is going to go away um, that's something that you'd kind of would have to do if you were you know, for a variety of reasons, there are a variety of reasons that you would have to turn something off. Um, and in this case, it's turning it off because the usership has fallen off dramatically. Um, but I've certainly have known, have friends who ended up having, having to end a product in some ways because it was too successful, um, that it had kind of had gotten ahead of itself in terms of usership, but didn't have a revenue model to back it up. And so at a certain point, they're just like, well, I just have to turn it off because the money is just kind of running away from me. Um, so in that case, you'd probably have to build something into the app to turn it off. And then you need some kind of mechanism to actually like physically turn it off. Um, in this case, because I'm not hosting much, uh, myself, there's not like I have servers and infrastructure that I have to physically unwind. Um, I mostly am just stopping paying for things and then the ultimate providers will turn it off. But it is definitely something that I would say that I never really thought of when I'm, you never, it's, it's easy to not think about when you're making something. Um, but that, how would I, what would I actually do if I needed to turn this off? You know, like at some point, if some of my other projects that have web services that I run were to go away, it's kind of a tricky question to be like, well, what do I do with the data? For example, like how do I safely and securely turn everything off? It's the kind of thing where it can so easily get away from you when you're developing. Like you can just add things and be like, oh, this will be fine. This will be fine. Or just not even think about like all the different services you're starting up, you know, API memberships, you're starting up at different providers and everything. And it can get away from you pretty fast. Oh, sure. I mean, it's probably also worth saying that a lot of these same considerations come into play if you ever transfer an app. Oh, yeah. Um, So if you ever sell an app, um, it's something that's probably worth just sort of as as a pro tip is keeping track in a document or somewhere just at a high level all of the various things that you've ever paid for or bought associated with the development of an app um, in terms of 
yeah, like keeping track of like there's a domain associated with this app. You know, if you go to checktheweather.co, I think it was uh, like there's a, there's a domain, and I need to remember to go and turn off auto renew on that domain. Um, there's all you know that where I think there's three or four different weather data providers that I've created accounts with at some point for this app, and while as you know. If in some ways, some of them would just kind of turn off on their own if their usership went to zero. Um, the reality is I also should probably go and actually, you know, terminate my account there. So I'm not, don't have all these open, uh, these little open things in the future that could come back and bite me in some weird way. Um, then on the flip side, you know, on the positive, say, hey, the app had been acquired and been shipped over to somebody. You're going to have to be able to give the new owner the list of like, here's all of the things that I actually have to give you. Um, which is way more than just the source code to the app. We're sponsored this week by Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash radar to start monitoring your websites and servers today. Pingdom offers a 14-day free trial, and when you enter offer code radar at checkout, you get 20% off your first invoice. Pingdom is focused on making the web faster and more reliable for everyone who has a site or service. They offer powerful, easy-to-use monitoring tools and services. So if you're a Pingdom user, you can monitor the availability and performance of your servers, databases, websites, all very, very easily. They take care of this by using more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site. They can check its availability as often as every minute, and they can do different tests with that. Things like they can use a cookie to log in, they can follow forms, they can uh, check for certain strings on the, on the resulting page, uh, they can check for certain timeouts. Pingdom is incredibly great. I use it to monitor all my stuff, and I've used it since the Tumblr days, very, very long time ago, since long before they were a sponsor, before I even started podcasting at all. I've been using them for a very, very long time, and I I have had nothing but great experiences with Pingdom. Uh, that's why I can personally recommend them, even though they cannot pay me to say that. I can actually say that directly. They are awesome, and you should be using them. So Pingdom makes it very, very easy to monitor your sites. All you need to do is give them a URL that you want to monitor and the various optional conditions you want to check for, and they take care of the rest. When they, when they detect an outage, you can be immediately alerted so you can fix the error before the downtime affects you. You don't want to be caught with you know your site down and you not even knowing it and people on Twitter telling you, hey, by the way, you know your site's been down for the last couple hours. No, you want to be the first person to learn. And with the Pingdom, you will be the first person notified so you can fix it before anybody else really sees it. Go to pingdom.com slash radar for a 14-day free trial and use offer code radar to get 20% off at checkout. Thank you very much to Pingdom for sponsoring our show. So the other kind of consideration or thing that I this all this this process it made me think of because it's probably only sort of helpful to talk about the actual like this the instances of this app, but if I take a step back and think about um, just in general as I'm developing an app, are there lessons that I can learn from this that I think would be useful going forward? And the first one that I was trying to think of and came up with was the importance of being careful about what I'm communicating or promising to my customers as um, I start out. Because I feel like it's easy when you're starting out um, and everything's kind of rosy and nice to get a little carried away and kind of make commitments that are down the road going to be more difficult for you to follow through on. Um, and, you know, it's a tricky thing maybe on this case was the pricing, um, where it's really not a sustainable business model for an app that has an ongoing cost to have a one-time purchase up front. Um, but in the early days of the app, I kind of gave the impression, whether implied or actual, you know, I have to actually go back and look at my communication to see what I actually said. But I definitely implied that, you know, you buy this app and you have weather data. And there was no end date put on that. And 
that creates some really awkward things that kind of kind of feel like they, they tie my hands, whether necessarily or just because of the way that I feel um, going forward. That kind of you know reduce my options because in this case, you know, I said about a third of the users bought it in one day. So whatever I communicated to those people that first day, when everything was cheerful and rosy, and I was so optimistic about its future, um, I kind of have to live with going forward. And it definitely kind of makes me think of as I launch things now or as I move forward, while there's also good for me to be thinking about, you know, is this sustainable and so on, but it's even the importance of being careful about what I say that I'm not making, you know, sort of promises into the future. Um, It's kind of like anytime I see a company that now says um, something's unlimited um, (laughs) or a lifetime subscription or those types of words. I am immediately skeptical. I immediately think, no, that's you, that can't be right. Um, you know, you can't use those words with actual honesty because you can't give someone an unlimited something or a lifetime of something because you're making promises into the future that you really can't uh, stand behind, and that's probably a dangerous thing for me. You know, for especially a small developer to ever do. Well, especially because like when you're when you have a paid up front app or you know any kind of and however people are paying for it if, if somebody pays for your app there many people maybe i don't even maybe even most people have this expectation at the moment of payment that i am paying for this app for it to work forever and of course in reality that's you know that's not how anything in, in this industry works uh but that is kind of like the mindset and that's why people get so upset when an app that they paid for two years ago all of a sudden gets discontinued or requires a paid upgrade to keep working on the newest whatevers. Uh, you know, people, they when they pay up front as something that's presented as a one-time fee, they really do assume, even if it's subconscious, they, they see that purchase as a lifetime purchase, when in fact, that is impossible to sustain. I mean, you know, people, basically, software needs ongoing revenue streams because people expect ongoing updates ongoing service uh, ongoing compatibility fixes and even ongoing improvements and yet they pay once up front and and they and they expect all those things to come for free forever so like some kind of recurring subscription or recurring revenue model but you know whether it's subscription or ads or other other things um the reason why this is so helpful is because like that matches up more to people's expectations of what the product will, will do for them and how the product will keep moving. But when you have something like you had to check the weather, because it was what, like three or four bucks up front? I think it was, yeah. Yeah, so it was like, you know, whatever it is, three or four bucks up front. Then, you know, people who paid three or four bucks two, three years ago, uh, you know, they, they're going to expect that app to still be working now if they're still using it. And you're going to get some people who are very upset about the, this discontinuation. But I don't really see how you could have kept it going otherwise i mean if you had i mean we could talk about different business models and stuff but like you know if if it was subscription funded from the very beginning that would be another thing if it were um ad funded then you know it would it would just kind of keep making money through usage um hopefully enough to cover it but that's not even a guarantee um and you know so if if there was ongoing revenue you could you could possibly sustain it more but people really do you know when it comes to you know you know geeks like us know to to doubt claims of unlimited or lifetime but when you have paid up front that is literally what people expect they expect it to be a lifetime purchase even though they might not care in a year or two but the ones who still use it they will care sure and i think beyond even just the consideration of like what's the best business model and obviously like in retrospect i think of myself four years ago being very naive that this kind of would have worked um and 
I think the the important thing there is to it's a to think it through that I, like I got so caught up in the actual process of building it and thinking that it was cool that I don't think I thought four years into the future about what would happen. Um, and then B, even if you don't have a good alternative for the business model, like even if I'd still launched the app as a you know paid upfront app, I likely should have been given some thought to how I. Um, talked about it and how kind of the expectations that I set, you know, maybe I should have said, you know, the app includes weather data for two years and maybe I don't have a good answer for what happens in two years. Um, but there's sort of the expectation that maybe down the road, there will be some more money that you'll have to pay, uh, pay for me to keep doing it and communicating that rather than kind of, if you don't say anything, um, like, like you're saying, the customer's expectation is that it's, it's like, well, I make one payment and then it's the rest of my life or as long as I want to use it, you know, I will be sitting there uh, ready for them to help them as however that goes. Well, and, and for a while that actually works for a lot of apps, like, especially in, in the earlier days of the app store, like four years ago when you launched this, that was a totally reasonable thing to do. Like, like when I launched Instapaper on, you know, day one of the app store in 2008, um, well, it was more like day three, whatever <laughs> in 2008, um, it was just a, a, an, up, an upfront paid app. It was first 10 bucks, then about a year later, lowered it to five bucks. And it stayed that way for a long time. And the idea, you know, I was running this big, expensive web service behind it. But every month, I just kept selling more copies of the app. And so the growth was just funding it. Like, it, the, the, just the additional new copies that we're selling every month was, an, you know, that was enough to fund the app. And Overcast, first year, I did the same thing with, you know, with, with the $5 one time on uh, in-app purchase to unlock the, the uh, faster, you know, the good feature. And it's the same thing, and it worked fine for a little while. But as the App Store has gone on, that that incredible growth that we had in the earlier years is harder and harder to come by. And the money you're getting from each person is like is often going down as we've had to you know lower prices to be more competitive in, in the market. And so now you you really have to think from the beginning: How am I going to get ongoing revenue from this? Whereas even as as recent as four years ago, when you launched this. We really didn't have to think about that. It wasn't you being naive. It was actually the conditions of the market at the time. You could just fund an app entirely by its own growth. Sure. And, you know, it's oh, the good old days. But, I mean, never, nevertheless, like the reality is it's something that I mention here as a cautionary tale, both for myself and others, that if you don't think about this up front eventually you're going to have to deal with it. I mean, it reminds me in a weird way of like contract negotiation, um, where I remember getting the best advice. I was talking to a guy who was, well, he was my lawyer, but in this case, he wasn't acting as my lawyer. But he was, he was you know, a, a lawyer who was telling me like the reason he likes doing contracts for developers is his job, he felt, was to think through all of the worst case scenarios for them that they don't want to think about, that they're sitting down with a client and they're super excited, like it's the first big client they've ever gotten or whatever. And they're really excited about it and they can talk about all the fun things they're going to do and the awesome work they're going to you know, be able to do and collaborate together. Um, and you just don't think about these things that what do we do to, you know, in in the sense of a contract, like what happens to the code at the end of this project? What happens if you're sick and unable to continue working? What happens if you just have massive disagreements and don't get along? Like those kinds of contingencies, those kinds of things that are, you hope you never really hope for, you just hope it is always going to be the best case. You know, in this case with check the weather, if the sales had just kept going forever, the app would just keep going forever. But if you force yourself to think about the weird, not so great things up front, 
um, you can just plan for them or at least have some sense of what you might do. And it probably would have helped in this case would have helped me avoid kind of, it feels a bit awkward and it feels a bit more like I'm letting people down. And generally people have been really gracious about it. I think the nice thing about a third of the users buying it in the first day and probably about a half of the users buying it in the first uh, month is that that was all four years ago. And so either they've stopped using the app or if they have used it, they've been using it for four years and paying, you know, less than a dollar a year is perhaps um, reasonable to them. But if anything, it's just a cautionary tale of think about these things. Think about what, what this would look like down the road and have, if not a plan in specifics, at least a plan in general uh, for how you're going to deal with it. The other thing that I've kind of been running into as I've been unraveling it, that is kind of a lesson that I thought would be worth talking about is as much as I feel like I think of the app store and the, the way people use my app as only ever using the latest app on the latest version of the OS, um, which is in general, like surprisingly true. Um, as I've been kind of unwinding this app and working out what I need to turn off, I was went back and looked at old users of the application. And this is where things get funny and why like I've changed data providers, for example. And I'm not sure, and I need to make sure that I go and turn off those first accounts that I used to get uh, weather data from because people are still using the app um, that hasn't, you know, really, really, really old versions. Like I went and looked in my analytics, and I have people who are using the app um, that was published in 2013 still. Like as of a couple of days ago, I was, you know, still having people who were using, like hitting my server, hitting my web services with that, you know, with that version string. Is this like from people who are using really old iOS versions? Yes, it's usually it's it's that's that is usually the situation that it's like somebody um, has an old iPod touch or a uh, an old iPhone that can't be upgraded beyond a certain point. And I think like the version they were using there was like it's the last version that worked with iOS six or with iOS five even like I mean, it's getting really far back in time. Um, And so they're just stuck using that version. And if they're still using it, like in some ways, you know, good for them. That's that's fine. But and I usually don't worry about those people in terms of new development, but when you turn things off, it is definitely something that I, I felt like I have to think through now is, are there any things that old, old versions of the app do that I need to think about now? Um, and in a weird way, it makes, gives me thought to being careful or being thoughtful as I develop about what I, where I put things in the app. Um, and it reminds me, there's, like, there's, a feature, there's a mechanism in Check the Weather to um, dynamically change some of the API keys um, inside of the application so that if I you know, had a problem with the weather, weather provider, I could some some ways kind of switch things around um, dynamically. And it does that you know, through a web service. And I'm glad I've definitely used that a few times. And especially for, this is a good reminder for me of building mechanisms like that into our apps is probably a good idea to at least to some degree, because you can't always rely on the app store updates being the way you change that. You know, if something breaks, I have to go and submit it. And even though app review is amazing, like recently, I, mean, I had an up, I had an update yesterday where I submitted it in the morning, and about three hours later, it was approved, which is crazy and awesome. But that's only ever going to capture like ninety percent of users, and so at least give some thought to what happens to the, that ten percent of users.
Yeah, it's also really nice to have from day one a mechanism uh, server side to to show a a message, like show an alert box to everybody with with server side provided text, uh, and and you can have it be like you know every time or just a one time showing, uh, but somehow have something in the in there in your app so um, so that you could you know you know at this point rather than have you know once everything shuts down rather than the app just launching and erroring out with some kind of server error that it like you know no internet connection even though it's like that's yeah, not really that's what it's gonna say <laughs> right you know then, then to have to have a different method where you can you can like put a file in s3 somewhere that basically it that the app checks and says all right and then you can show a box that says like sorry we've had to shut down this app because of what blah 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 you know um, it's something that i i have occasionally built into my apps and i've been very thankful every time i have and I think the last thing, this the thought I have is the, as I finish up this app, it's a weird thing because I still have ideas for what a cool weather app could be um, and do. And I've had to go navigate a little bit the thought of if I made another one, would it make people mad or feel like they've, I've cheated them out of something or I should have just put that into the app that they've already paid for. Um, but obviously the reality is, and this is the, the sort of the end of the thought that I came to is. You know, if I decide to make a weather app again, there'll just be a new thing. And hopefully if the reality is I just need to take the lessons I learned from this, put it into it, um, you know, and that will be okay. And it's being careful of not making choices just to avoid people being mad at you um, because people are always going to be mad at you for something. <laughs> yep. And so in this case, I was having the thought like, you know. I don't know why I was, part of why I didn't pull check the weather is that at some point I've always thought maybe, you know, I have these cool ideas for weather app. Maybe I'll put them in to check the weather um, and then I sort of keep it around just to avoid people being mad. Um, but the reality is if I have those ideas and I, at some point down the road, I want to do it, I should just do it. And if people are mad, they're mad, but I won't be. I'll be happy and I'll be glad and I'll be making something that I'm excited about. And so that's just a little... Um, an encouraging thought that I, I gave myself this, you know, this week as I went in and had to hit the button to say, you know, it's, it's, it's finally time to put this to bed. Next time use a free font. There you go. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.